The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. How do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and delighted that you've joined us today. Now, for those of you who do not know and are not familiar with the term, a compassionate samurai, what we're talking about is being a warrior out there in business, but also marrying that spirit up with compassion and letting those two characters do a fine dance together. So if you want to learn more about the 10 traits of the Compassionate Samurai, just head on over to the archives back from November of 2015. And there's a segment, a show in November, where we cover off on all 10 traits of the Compassionate Samurai. Now, today's show is an opportunity for you. We have author of the new book, The Art of Opportunity. And the tagline on this I absolutely love. It's how to build growth and ventures through strategic innovation and visual thinking. Now, we have one of the three authors in this book on today's show. His name is Parker Lee. And let me give you a little bit of background about Parker. He is a business design strategist, and he's also president of a company called Compass 52. And what Parker does, he creates and directs large scale projects for corporate and global clients worldwide. And in this new book, what he's focused on, along with his collaborators, is a how-to guide for companies to look about creating new growth strategies for their businesses. Now, Parker also is a veteran of technology, entertainment, and the sports marketing industries. And he recently served as president and executive vice president for business development of X-Plane. So today, Parker, we welcome you to the show. Thank you, Kathy. I'm delighted to be with you. Fantastic. So I absolutely love the title. Anything with the word opportunity uh, certainly catches my ear. Share with us a little bit about the why behind the why of this book. Why is it necessary? Well, the... uh kind of fun part was this marriage of left brain, right brain. Uh, that's why we have even the word art in there. Truly in business, you can try to do things on a very rational basis, but we know that that's not the case in the business world today. We're moving way too fast. There's way too much change. Technology is pervasive. 
uh, how we engage with our customers and what we do is is just moving at light warp speed. So this is a way for uh, how do I address that? Um, if I'm not happy as a business person with just traditionally going along, having two to five percent growth, what do I do to break out of that mold? And what we're putting on the table is that you can't do it the old way. It is really about a new methodology, a new approach, and it's uh, changing the way you think. Well, and I noticed, um, the first thing I noticed is that you actually collaborated on this book. Would you share with us a little bit of background with your collaborators? And I know it helped to make this book so much deeper and richer for the readers. Glad you asked that question. Yeah, there are three of us. Uh, We are all dramatically different from each other. Uh, I had wanted to write a business book, thought it'd be self-published, that it would be something that I could then go and perhaps do speeches, be a professor, etc. And a gentleman reached out to me, um, Dr. Mark Sniukas. He's from Luxembourg, believe it or not. And when I was doing my work with Explain, he said, you know, I, I like what you guys have been doing and, and some of your thought processes, some of the uh, case studies you put online. Next time you're over here, let's get together. So he and I, I was over in Europe working, and he and I got together and decided we would love to collaborate because we had a lot of the same thinking about how do you how do you grow business and how do you do it in a very innovative way? So we decided to do that, and we agreed because – we're both biased this way that it's not a traditional approach that you need design thinking, visual thinking in how you execute that we should bring forward a third partner, a third writing partner. And that person has um, deep experience as a creative director and a visual thinker, as well as a consultant. And I brought in somebody who is here in Portland with me named Matt Muraski. So there are three of us, um, you kind of have the uh, Mark who is working on his thesis and the intellectual academician who came with many of the ideas for the book. I'm much more commercially um, focused on how to drive growth and do that in an innovative way. And then Matt brings to it this design thinking. And we kind of practice what we preach in the book where one of the tenets is you need a team-based approach and a diverse team-based approach. That's what gives you a better product that's makes for a richer outcome uh and so we we collaborated together to be able to write this book and do it in a very interesting uh iterative creative method well it certainly is and i could tell that from the very first time that i took a look at it um the book actually comes as a color code and i love that aspect of it now when i have a picture a visual picture of of you three in my mind i'm realizing you know you're all on this journey this explore, uh, exploration uh through business as a thinker, a driver, and an artist. And I love the fact that you collaborated. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about, and this seems like a a small, but I know it's a profound thing. What was the purpose of color coding the book? Because it caught my eye right away. 
Well, it is just one of the ways uh, we put forward in the book that visual thinking is very important. And we it's it's been with us for tens of thousands of years of using visualization, using colors, using labels, uh, signs, etc. And it's just somewhat been lost in the business world. So color coding helps you with what is affectionately known as wayfinding. Ah, I know when I'm in this section, we're focused on this thing. If I need to jump to a different concept, I go to this other color coding that's in there. And then what you saw also in the book is all the concepts are illustrated. So not only do we just put words there and you have to do a rational interpretation, you actually can see the ideas. You understand the process, the methodology, what we're talking about. And it's amazing how that accelerates understanding. It's Well, it certainly does. And, and the president at Clemmer & Associates is very much a visual learner. And so when I, I told her you were going to be on the show and explain the book a little bit, um, she was pretty excited because I said, I've got a book for you and you're going to absolutely love the visual aspect of this book. It speaks your language. And you've done a brilliant job of reaching all types of readers depending on what their preferred style is. So it's just beautifully illustrated. Um, now, I picked up on a term that really stuck with me when I read the book, and you mentioned that it's so important to capture growth, not chase it. Now, it seems pretty obvious what you mean, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Can you explain to us what do you mean by capturing growth and not chasing it? Well, all too often in business, we go through a very rational and and, and bless their hearts, the uh, the theoreticians that uh, come forward with how do you go about with business growth? It comes from a very linear and rational, and it's what we're very accustomed to methodology. It's where you, for example, will look at your industry, you'll examine your market, who are my competitors? And you'll focus on price and 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 such. Um, this says in order to capture growth versus trying to chase it in a linear fashion, you actually bring it back to the the customer. It's it's human centered, and by understanding, gaining that empathy, knowing what their core needs are, what are their barriers to consumption, what what's put up in the way from them actually getting there. Um, and then once they've decided to buy the product, then there are all sorts of hurdles to satisfaction, as we call it, as trying to get there. Um, but if you can really get to that, you will have the opportunity to capture these, these, uh, these growth opportunities. Instead of chasing around and trying to find it and run down a linear path, you go discovering. And, and by doing that, it is that approach and methodology, you will capture the opportunity and then you have to craft a very careful strategy for how you achieve it and wh- how you find it. Well, and let's talk about that for a little bit. So specifically, what is strategic innovation and how does one get started with it? Because you're not talking about throwing the baby out with the bathwater per se. Let's say you're already in business. How do you get started if you already have the wheels in motion? Well, that's that's a good question. Um, 
We suggest that you need a team-based approach and, and you have the wheels in motion, but you need to really uh, go inside out and outside in. And you need to have a, a core group with you that is going to be your team as you move along on this journey. Um, it's not so much where you can de facto hand it off to if you're in a large organization. Oftentimes, it's the strategy department. And you say to them, okay, can you tell me what market I should be in and exactly what product? This says, no, it's, it's dramatically different from that. We go on a journey together and we explore and try to find out what's at the heart of the customer's needs. And you do that by talking with them, by going and immersing yourself in their world, by observing how they do it, by having interviews. It's almost anthropological. And then you get insights while you're going there. In a traditional approach, it's much more where you you want to be the cost leader. You're going to try to figure out a way, how do I just make my offering or my product different? And then I find a niche, figure out the pricing that's in there, and go after it. And you, you will not achieve in this global competitive market the same kind of growth that you want to get if you don't start with the customer at the center and then ultimately – and we can go into this later on, is it's about driving value for the customer, for your own company, and the entire ecosystem. And if you don't, you're in imbalance, and you won't achieve that growth. Well, and what I'm hearing you say is is a shift in that mindset of you're not attracting just customers, transactional customers, whatever that may be. You're really working to build relationships and collaborative partnerships with your client, um, a lifelong relationship at, at, at most, I think, uh, is what you're talking about, correct? You're, you're absolutely right. It really is. The, the traditional approach is the customer is an abstraction and the product is oftentimes at the center. You know, you, when you're trying to figure out where you go, you're looking at your industry and your product and your market. In strategic innovation, you're looking at the customer and the heart of their needs and the experience itself, as you brought up. And that experience goes from when they they just are hearing about the offering or the product at the very beginning to their first touch point, how they're involved with it, all the way through to if they dispose and, and what cycle goes through there. And And that's the thing that is somewhat lost. User experience is at the heart of this. Well, and you are speaking our language. Um, This is the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. We have author and guest Parker Lee on the line with us today. And Parker is going to be coming back after our first break, sharing with us more insights of his new book, The Art of Opportunity. Stay tuned for more. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. 
Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and joining us today is author Parker Lee. He has written a book and collaborated with two others, The Art of Opportunity. And what we're going to talk about next and really focus upon is the first principle. I want to read a quote to you. It's a quote by David Bell, and he's a professor. And in his quote, he says, the first principle of finding new growth is that you're always better off going after customers who are underserved and neglected and or neglected. And so that really bodes well about the conversation we were having just before break. And that is where do you go to kind of reinvent and and provide this innovation that you're talking about? So Parker, share with us a little bit, how do we best digest the book from a point of innovation and carrying on through growth and strategy and design? Well, you want to start, um, as we said, you put the user at the center. It's it's human-centered, focused, design, etc. Customers themselves, we all too often, and for good reason, and it's a good business practice, to focus on the customers that consume the most. That's why we have uh, frequent flyer programs, etc. But if you're trying to achieve dramatic growth, there are there are exponentially more customers that we affectionately call non-customers. Uh, we put them into four kind of general buckets, and and it's a David Bell's uh, quote fits very well with that. One of them we call the unsatisfied, and that's somebody who's aware of what your product is, but they're just nah, it, it doesn't work for me. Uh, they're the refusers, and they're aware of it, but they just don't see it as relevant. Uh, if it was uh, an iPhone, they'd go, nah, I got a home phone. I just don't, nah, don't need to even go there. They're the wannabes, and they're the ones that, oh, I never thought I could afford it. I'd love to be- get there, but I can't. And then the last 
quadrant of non-customers of the unexplored. You just never thought of it. We have an example in the book where there was a huge media company, one of the largest ones in Europe, who sold to extraordinarily large companies because they said that's the ones that buy the advertising. And they had never thought about small businesses because they said, well, they can't afford ads. And suddenly they came up with the brilliant idea to say, well, how if we wanted to go after them, how would we do it? And they completely changed their business model and ended up capturing this massive part of the market that they had never even gone after because they said it wasn't my customer. And I think that's the point is as you look for an opportunity, instead of looking where you always look, it's go look where you would never have even dreamed you could go. Well, and that reminds me of another quote that that um, I read from Econ- this was in your book as well, and it just resonated me with me so well with uh, John Maynard Keynes, and that is his quote around the difficulty lies not so much in developing new ideas as in escaping from old ones. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yeah. Yep, that kind of points the finger at all of us, doesn't it? Uh, We're all really comfortable with what we know, but the fun part about this strategic innovation and business design thinking is that it, it forces you to go out and have conversations, explore, go out where you aren't completely comfortable to find new ideas, insights, opportunities. And you only do that by getting outside. If you just sit inside the walls of your business and talk to all your own employees or only look at big data, and I'm a huge proponent of big data, but you need to actually see what happens. Go observe what happens when they walk in a store from the moment they're in a parking lot to go through, to explore what they're trying to find, to check out whether it's real world or digital world, and you learn scads of knowledge from that. So in essence, you walk the talk of your own clientele, and you really experience exactly what they're experiencing from start to finish as part of your, a part of your strategic roadmap. That really is, is the key. And then we've outlined, and there are There are dozens of ways that you can do that exploration, and you always do it in context. So we have three types of growth, but you have to decide, you know, are you a multinational or are you a regional company? What kind of resources do we have? What's our culture like? Do we have the assets to be able to apply to um, a year of exploration, or do I need to turn something up in the course of a month? So all that goes to then the method that you apply for how you find these opportunities, who's involved with it, what what resources are required, et cetera. So what's next? After you've found these opportunities, what's the next step? Where do you go from there? So you've, the where, you've found what they are, and that it's the how you play, for lack of a better. So where to play, how to play, how do you win? And it's now to crafting a strategy. And that is a process that is um, one that involves understanding literally uh, what is your business model itself and a revenue model. And before that, you actually have to decide what's the nature of my offering. So the offering itself, 
product, service, and what we've been talking about, that customer experience. And it's kind of like whack-a-mole. You can push things up and down all around, but you have to put together, I know where I want to go. Now I have to figure out, you know, what do I put on the ship when I'm going there? And that is comprised of the product set. What are the customers going to experience? How do I set up the, um, the business model itself? And there are all sorts of ways that you can lay that out. Um, we have a, a, a definition of a business model. And then you have to decide, now how am I going to make money off of it? Because there are different means of generating revenue. So it's that crafting of your strategy with the offering, the business model, and your revenue model. All right. Now, along the way, you know, we're, we're people-centric, human-centric. Um, we're going to hit some obstacles along the way, or just it, it may be as simple as confronting resistance to change. So you're an innovative thinker, you're a strategist. How do you go about navigating those obstacles when they confront you, as well as those on your team or maybe a little bit outlier of your team that are resistant to change? Well, there's a whole, as you know, I'm sure there's a whole practice area in quote-unquote change management. Um, One of the things that we believe is that when people understand what it is you're doing and are given the opportunity to actively participate in that experience and they feel like they're empowered to make decisions, uh, that they not only go along, but they become advocates. And there's a methodology and, and core to that is is having it be collaborative, having them participate in co-creation with you, having them clearly understand what it is. And then uh, we put forward this other concept uh, called active iteration, where instead of trying to uh, build the massive ship and then take off, you say, well, let's have a few small cycles and do it in little iterative steps so that we're not risking the entire venture before we launch it. Well, and do you have some case studies that you could share with us around that, what these little bitty steps would look like uh, as an example? Uh, Absolutely. They are ones, and in software, often it's called agile development versus waterfall. Um, But back to that media company that came up with an idea, before they built out an entire program uh, before they changed all their marketing materials, before they built an entire customer support system for how to do it, um, they put out an ad and they put the ad out there to the marketplace and said, we're thinking of doing this. We have this service. Would you be interested? So it was a very short little way to just put your toe in the water to get a reaction and then to engage the people that responded in a conversation about what works, what doesn't work, uh, what are the key advantages or benefits for you. So it, it really goes to that. It's, it's finding a way to make a prototype, for lack of a better, make what's called in software a wireframe, and you go out and get some conversations. Um, I did uh, one last little story. I did a a workshop recently with a a small tech company, and they were completely shifting their business model. And I said, all right, before you go there, you need to go talk to your users. You need to talk to the customers that are going to pay for this, and you need to talk to the people that are going to build it and say, 
here's what we're thinking of doing, and they created all sorts of, and here's what we think we're going to charge, et cetera, give me feedback. And they made a dramatic number of adjustments just by having conversations. Well, it seems logical. It's almost like that Monday morning quarterbacking where we all have the answer by then. And I noticed that as a trend um, the other day. One of my favorite bloggers is Seth Godin. And I noticed that he sent out a, a notice, an email to all of his subscribers that said, hey, I'm thinking about doing another workshop in London, England. And it's been five years since I've been in London. I want to find out if people are interested in attending my workshop in London. And it just, it seemed brilliant and obvious, but that's not where most of us go. I think we dive in because we're we're so quick to get product to market without fact-checking and making sure that there's even that need for the the product, correct? Exactly right. So if Seth was a multinational, they would have built the product, gotten the distributors in place, made a huge marketing campaign put together advertisements, and then suddenly they could have found out, oops, this was the wrong product or the wrong time. Exactly, exactly. And that was just a a nice little, uh, he's always modeling behavior that I want to emulate. And so uh, that was a good lesson for me. Um, I want to talk a little bit about niche market. And we've actually talked about this before, but there are so few generalists today. And understanding your niche is obviously key. But just as important, it's really clear of how do you engage your niche. And so I'd like to, to have you talk to, to that t- point just a little bit. Well, the, um, the kind of work that Compass 52 does or that we do in applying this book, um, one of our principles is a, a holistic perspective. Um, so we can, uh, we can address that in much more detail. It's one of the key uh, one of the key principles of business design thinking, but it's really being able to understand that it's not so much the things in your ecosystem, but it's the links between them and the process that connects them that's equally or even more so important. And that gives people a different perspective and it gives them the ability to see the whole when they might be, you know, see, see the forest when they're stuck in the middle of it. Exactly. Well, I want to come back and and hear you speak about the ecosystem a little bit more and kind of the life cycle of innovation. Uh, We're going to head into our break. And when we come back, you're going to be joined by author Parker Lee, The Art of Opportunity, and Kathy Fairbanks, host of the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Stay tuned for more. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it and profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. 
Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and joining us today is author Parker Lee. Now, Parker is has just completed his book, The Art of Opportunity, and we've been talking basically about the ecosystem of your business design and some of the principles that one would need to follow and make sure you're not leaving anything, any of those special important ingredients in your recipe out. Parker, share with us some of the principles that you're, you want to focus on today. Well, it really is the foundation, we think, for a, a new way of working. We think that this is the mindset that needs to be applied for businesses to be competitive, uh, to be agile, to be able to be responsive in today's business world. And we've boiled them down to five of them. Um, we've talked about a few in a roundabout way already. Um, the first one is about a human-centered focus, and it really is that that focus on empathy of clearly walking a mile in the shoes of your customer, understanding them, uh, you create value for them, and it's it's really understanding that. But And you have to do that not only just for your customer, but it's, it's for your company itself, because if you're not creating value there and putting the employees front and center, you won't survive. And more broadly, the entire ecosystem if your suppliers or your vendors or some of your contractors aren't getting great value, then you've got a lopsided business model that actually isn't sustainable. So the first key principle is about keeping a human-centered focus versus an, a thing-centered focus. Well, and I, you know what came to mind when you were talking about that, that, that uh, children's game or, or, um, that we would play called Jenga. And I'm realizing when you're talking about your team and your clients and your vendors and everyone that would collaborate to help drive your business forward, it's almost like playing that game Jenga where certain things get out of alignment and they're going to fall apart. So it's, it's key to keep everything in alignment and flowing organically it really is it's it's so if you think about it completely natural um, and represents that sustainability and and an ecosystem and balance and when out of balance it it becomes destructive or falls apart yeah yeah um, what are some more principles let's let's uh, hear a few more good let's go down that road um, 
one of my favorites, think visually, tell stories. Uh, we are creatures who have been telling stories for thousands of years and, and use visuals. Think back to cave painting. Uh, it's, it's embedded in how we understand things, um, street signs, etc. And when you have visualization, you can more clearly share your ideas, develop them with others. The storytelling, we, we love stories and there are archetypes in all our stories. And when you put that, it puts a person into the story and you get it, you relate to it, and you're able to embrace a change or be inspired to do certain work, etc. So the use of visuals and storytelling is the second core principle of business design thinking. Fantastic. Well, and it bodes um, so many of the foundational principles that we have with the Compassionate Samurai Training at Clemmer & Associates is based upon storytelling, uh, where you can put yourself, walk in someone else's moccasins. So um, can't get enough of that. Let's talk a little bit about co-creating and collaborating do you invite everybody to the party, regardless of tenure, whether they're a veteran, a new hire, or, or uh, mid-range in, in their tenure with a company? Well, it's a, it's a hot topic right now with everything from holacracy to um, social organizations, et cetera, social media and what that, that does, um, social platforms for sharing and innovating. Um, the short answer is yes, everybody, there should be high levels of transparency and access for everything that you're doing. But you can't, it can't be the bum rush. Um, if there's a fire, you can't put everybody through the door at once. So there needs to be a process and a methodology. Um, that said, you want different perspectives. So a diverse team really matters. So the key is to have perhaps a, a guiding group that is owns and is held responsible for moving along the initiative, but it has to be a diverse group that represents all the key stakeholders and, and opinions. And then what you want to build support and generate these breakthrough ideas is to be able to have them actually work together. And the co-creation process is wildly powerful. It gets people aligned, it gets them bought in, and you do it in multiple levels. It really is a tapestry um, that needs to evolve over time. And that's the thing that makes for um, really in significant sea change in, in an initiative and in gaining growth. Fantastic. Thanks for elaborating on that. So let's talk a little bit about active interaction. And maybe that overlaps a lot with the co-creative. But what do you mean by active interaction? Um, it's, uh, right. It's actually iteration. Oh, iteration. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, so active iteration means, and just to iterate is to envision a, a cycle that goes around, whether it's nature, um, or whether it's, uh, weather or whether it's a circle moving around. That's how things evolve. Uh, the theory of evolution, it, it doesn't happen very seldom with just a massive, it happens in small little changes. And while that's going on, there is breakthrough that you will see. But in order to build more effectively, uh, you get faster results. You're able to make changes and adapt to things that you learn by doing this in an evolutionary process. 
So it, it allows you to take your ideas or the solutions or the, um, the different strategies and move them along while you're getting feedback and testing and trying. And it's that design, think, act, learn that process that goes through. We do it every day. We, you do it when you make a decision about what am I going to put on to wear when I go outside? Oh, let me look at my weather. Let me talk to somebody else. Let me look at my calendar. What meetings do I have? How do I feel? How much time do I have afterwards? And those are iterative little decision-making process we just didn't realize. Right. Well, and I love that, that concept because when I um, was reading your book, that's what I realized, wow, this is an area where I can be a little more conscious about. In other words, um, I've got a half an hour before the meeting. What can I get done that's going to cross a few things off my list before heading into this next meeting? Um, And so just underscoring that is so valuable. Um, Let's talk about the holistic perspective. What do you mean by that? Uh, There is a a view, a theory that it's a systems approach. It, it's saying that all things are interrelated. I think that's one of the things that the network effect um, for culture and otherwise that has had such an impact on our business environment right now because things can be shared, can be created and distributed so quickly, so rapidly. In the old days, it had to be kind of thought of from top down, and it would slowly trickle out or be distributed. Now, anybody can be a, uh, a reporter. Anybody can have a massive impact on a corporation, on politics, etc. So this is saying that an organization is a dynamic, open system, and it's of a bunch of processes that are all interrelated. And when you can see that, perhaps using visual thinking, it breaks down the silos, and it you move faster, there's greater efficiency, and it gives you context for understanding, oh, if I push this whack-a-mole down, that other one over there is going to go up. So it's seeing a holistic perspective so that you can understand how things are related. Well, in inside of our organization, we often talk about what are the dominoes that we're not seeing because we're trying to inspect what we expect. And it's almost it's it's looking underneath that iceberg, right? And really understand what you're working on, not just what's at the surface level. So um I love the concept. makes perfectly great sense. So you have a unique approach, and I love this approach, in terms of how to evaluate and test your strategies. You actually have activities uh, in the book. Would you share a little bit about some of these activities and results? What are some expected results uh, that keep you either out of danger or allow you to course correct before millions of dollars are spent in the wrong direction? Well, we take you through, that's kind of the fun part of the book. Um, there are activities all through it, and these are, these are design thinking activities. They're usually workshops so that you can um, evaluate or ideate or, or come up with new ideas, and you do that together, and then you go out and test them, and then you come back. And then you might be in a decision-making process, and you need to evaluate them, and it goes through different ways of doing that. We have them created as 
I call them recipe cards, for lack of a better, and it looks just like that with, here's what you're trying to do, here are what the goals are, and then here's your step one, two, three, four, five, and then Matt brilliantly has actually visualized the activity itself. Not, not a template that you fill in, it's the, you can see what I'm going to experience, and it's all on one card, and it's those set of activities that are a part of what we're talking about in this new approach anyway. It's the, it's the act of learning or, or the learning being very an active approach versus just reading, just being theoretical. It's not a book where you just read words and think about the theory. This is, this is a live playbook for you to actually make this happen. Well, and I'm really glad to hear you because when I was reading it, I'm glad to hear you say it's a playbook because that's exactly what, when I picked it up, when I looked at it, but also when I read it, I realized very quickly, this is a business playbook. And um, I chuckled a little bit on one of the activities and one of the quotes that you have in the book. Um, It's a quote by Scott Adams, a cartoonist, and you've listed uh, where he has said, remind people that profit is the difference between revenue and expense. Chuckle, chuckle. Um, This makes you look smart. And I kind of chuckled myself at that because... um, about a year ago, I was on a corporate retreat, and the president of the company, Kimberly Zink, uh, came up with an exercise, an activity, and that activity was um, basically an F sense. Everybody at the meeting was told, computers are down, phones are down, we now need to get a budget for 2016 off to a funding organization or a granting organization, whatever that might be. And you cannot use any of the devices that you're used to using. No, no spreadsheets, no historical data. Come up and make a budget for the entire company for the year. And that was an exercise and a half because certain people were a little siloed. They didn't realize and or understand what it takes to create a product in one division. They may have understood their own division or department, but not the company as a whole. And it changed the lenses completely of everybody in that training from, ooh, does this make sense to move forward? There's a different come from now with everybody in the organization because of that one particular activity. Brilliant. That's it. It's, and you find solutions when there are constraints mm-hmm. and to think differently. I only have this much time. Here are the tools I can use, and I can't use what I always fall back on of doing a search on Google. It's, uh, I have to actually talk to people and be involved with them. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, I can't believe it. We are coming up against our last break. I invite you to stay tuned for more. Parker has a few um, snippets of wisdom to share with us, and we want to learn a little bit about how can we access his brand new book. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for more. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and today we're joined by business strategist and innovation expert, Parker Lee. And Parker's brand new book, The Art of Opportunity, is a must-read by all. It's actually a business playbook, and there aren't too many of those playbooks around. If you're looking really to accelerate your business and have a deep connection with your clients for life, this is a must-read. Parker, I'd like to have an opportunity for you to share with us a little bit about a favorite case study that you have in the book. Would you, would you be so kind as to share with us a case study? Uh, I'd be happy to do that. We, um, we have a number of them. It kind of follows the cadence of the book where people learn and then they have what we call inspiration, which are case studies, then these little business sparks, which are thought provokers, and then those activities we talked about. And that's how the book goes through its own cycles. The one that kind of culminates what the book is about is at the very end, appropriately. Um, and we got to know some folks at Microsoft who are going through a massive transformation for new growth. And they'd somewhat been written off, and they realized that they um, were in trouble, and they needed to change the way they operated. And the case study goes through kind of what that transformation was for new growth. And it really centers on the fact that they broke their old traditional strategy approach and looked for new opportunities by connecting more effectively with consumers and customers and trying to figure out what are those core opportunities and then what strategy do we need to apply in order to uh, take advantage of them. And they really, they ended up changing many of their offerings, what they went to market with, and it's not only changing the offering, they changed their business model around each one of these, and we go into some of that 
that information. They changed their revenue model for how they um, got um, cash from customers and did that. And then they changed the offering itself, which was about how they developed the product and how they went to market and how they worked with their network of suppliers and customers in that process. Uh, their core was trying to create value throughout the entire ecosystem, and they had not done that. They were out of balance, and they lost. They lost in the mobile war, and they lost for a while in the um, in the cloud computing. And that's where they are coming back with um, a vengeance right now. And it, a lot of it sits on top of this new mindset of business design thinking. They've changed what they've done. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's it's a brilliant case study. It's an encouraging and uh, inspiring case study as well. And I'd like to hear from you because just of you, as you've mentioned, um, not every company out there is a best fit for your organization. So I'd love the listeners to hear you offer um, services through Compass 52. And I'd love to hear what some of those services are that you offer so they have a, a good feel of where your gifting is. And then what are the best fits of clients for you? Well, thanks. That's great. It's it's interesting because we feel like we can apply to any industry. So we're not an, a niche focus. What we do is try to best understand through this business design thinking, what is the problem to be addressed and to use that methodology and that approach for finding innovative solutions and really see ourselves more like a personal trainer. So we're not the ones that are going to go on the journey. It's like in personal training, the the client, the customer, the athlete, whatever, has to do the work. They're the ones that are doing it. And what we do differently is say, okay, you're coming into the weight room here. Try that one and that one and that one for this one month. And that's the best practice. No, change that a little. Do that a little. Bring this with you. And then we'll talk in a little while. So it's it's very much consultative, it's collaborative, uh, we use visual thinking all the way along, and we help them with, with finding new strategies and the, now how do I make them work? How do they, but the key is they've got to do the work. It's not, it's not what I affectionately call black box of I'm smart, you're dumb, I go off into a sorcerer's apprentice room and come back and go, ta-da, here's your answer. It's, it's not that. <laughs> You have to do the work. I'm just here to help you. <laughs> well, and I love that because that really bodes well for sustainable change. Um, if they don't experience and, and basically have that emotional involvement in the change process, chances are those changes, that growth is not going to be sustainable. You're right. It's, it's funny. I talked to the design company in town here who said, I want to figure out a way to work with you guys because we come up with these brilliant ideas. We win awards for the ideas or the new products and then nothing happens. It mm. can't get implemented. Yeah. So that's Ex key. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now share with our listeners, how do we get in touch with you? Uh, how do we access your book? What's the best method for you? Um, we have a website. Uh, what a surprise. You can go to <laughs> theartofopportunity.net. And that tells you a little more about the book. You can sign up to get a free preview of chapter one. You can pre-order the book. It comes out 
May the 2nd, um, being published by Wiley. It's available on all the major booksellers also, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. So you can go to any of the retailers um, live or pre-order it there. And then my, my own site is compass52.com. Pretty easy. Okay, compass52, the number 52.com. All sure. right. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, one of my favorite quotes is that of President John F. Kennedy, uh, where he said, change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or the present are certain to miss the future. And I really feel like this is what your book has captured, and that's an in invitation, a bold invitation into a brilliant future and a future that's very holistic, organic, and one that is going to make a real difference in this world. So, Parker, I thank you for being a guest on today's show. Um, do you have any last uh, comments here that you want to share with the, the listeners today? I think you, that, that's a lovely quote, and that's exactly right. Uh, the, the future needs to be designed, and when we are active participants, when we're empathetic uh, when we put users in the center, uh, when we co-create, when you, we use visualization, we feel like we are respected, there's better engagement, there are better outcomes. And we hope that the, the book we have is uh, a perfect primer to try to put that into force, put that into action. Fantastic. I know that certainly has been my experience. And you have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Until then, I invite you to knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.